Well, greetings this morning. It's a joy to be here, especially a brand new year. Um, it's exciting to see DK here and walking even after the other night. We were there and he was pretty much moaning and groaning and just to see him sitting up and fully alive this morning is pretty awesome. So this morning, um, there's a couple things we're going to look into, but the main, the main topic this morning is your royal identity. Royal identity. So many of us live as paupers. And one of the things, you're going to hear me say it over and over and over this morning, so it sticks, okay? But a pauper cannot be a prince or a king because they believe they're insignificant. And when somebody believes they're insignificant, everybody that they lead, they will treat as insignificant. I say that from experience. Give me a minute. <laughs> a number of years ago, a friend of mine came to me and he said, You know, Dwayne, <clears throat> there's sometimes you joke about people or things. And it actually really hurts. Hmm. And I remember saying, you know, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. And they said, yeah, but it's not just me. It's a lot of people. And here's what they told me. And I want you to hear this for yourself this morning because it's very very important to understand as believers in a world that needs people to stand up for what they believe in, especially in the kingdom, the kingdom of God. People really value you, and a lot of them live on the words that you speak to them. And when you joke about them, sometimes they walk away wondering if you're even being serious. And all of a sudden, I remembered, I remembered a conference I was at one time. Chris Valentin had shared a message on, it was the world can't hold up under a pauper when he becomes a king. And it was like, whoa. Because, do you know, and, and it was like, in the, in the midst of it all, it was like the Lord was just saying, do you understand why? And I'm like, no. It didn't make no sense to me at the time. And he said, you know, a pauper is raised to feel insignificant. I want you to think of this. A pauper is raised to feel insignificant. And if a 
person feels insignificant, they're going to relate to everyone around them as insignificant. Hmm. So he said, I made you to be a leader, but you still think like a pauper. And I wonder sometimes how many of us are called to be leaders. And it's hard to go there because we still think like a pauper. You can't lead when you think like a pauper because inside you don't think you're significant. You can't lead when you think like a pauper. Kings and queens know how to, how to make people feel valued because they know that they themselves are valuable. I want you to understand this for a second. They know that they are valuable, so they know how to make you feel valuable. And so this morning, the whole thing of the royal identity is really a passion of mine for 2021, that we would understand our royal identity and walk as a prince of a kingdom that was not made with human hands. Back in 2019, it was, it was in October of 2019... Karen and I were at a uh, Voice of the Apostles in Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. We went every year for a number of years, and, and uh, there was an evangelist there the one night. His name was Sammy Rodriguez. If any of you know, he was the director of that movie, uh, Break, Breakthrough or whatever. Anyway, he's from a, he has a mega church in California, but very exciting guy. He's very charismatic. But he shared a message about Elijah and Elijah. And I'm just going to share it because it has so much to do with what God's been doing in our lives. When Elijah received a double anointing from Elijah, he was out plowing. He was out plowing the field with oxen, okay? And I can't imagine how big and heavy a plow would have been made out of wood with a steel shaft. and uh, Anyway, a steel, whatever you call the blade. <clears throat> but when Elijah went up and put the cloak on Elijah, he turned the plow over and he burned it. And he roasted the oxen on that plow. And as this guy was sharing this message, I was in tears, down on my knees. And he said, there's some of you here that have been pushing a plow for a long time. And it's time to burn it so you can't go back to pushing the plow time to burn it, roast the oxen, eat a filet mignon, and start walking in the anointing that God has for you. So 
So right there that evening, I remember Karen and I, we were standing there, and it was like, So he got us to stand up, if it was any of us. And, of course, I was just, I was wrecked. And we prophetically speaking, we looked, just turned us, like we were turning a plow over. Burned it. So we can't go back to pushing a plow. Is there a Kleenex up here somewhere? A napkin or something I should have grabbed? Thank you. At the end of 2009, it was in October, so at the end of October, we had hosted a mystery of marriage in Myrtle Beach, and I knew that that needed to be the last one for a long time, for a period of time. And so in, in the whole prophetic movement of just simply burning the plow and roasting the oxen so we can't go back to pushing a plow, trying to make things happen that... And and don't get me wrong. I'm going to tell you this right now. There's a season to push a plow for every one of (laughs) y'all. There is a season to push a plow as you push so hard to break through lies, to break through strongholds, to break through things that want to hold us back from fully seeing the kingdom, from fully understanding identity in the kingdom, royal identity. But that October, we come back home at the end of October, and uh, we knew we had to cancel everything for 2020. We didn't know anything about COVID then. This was in October of 2019. And so we waited a month or two and weren't sure how serious this was. And eventually it was like, okay, we just need to cancel everything. And we did. And 2020 became a year that was more anointed than any other year we've ever had in ministry. In identity, in finances, in joy, and in life in ways that were virtually impossible before. And, and I just, I just say this because it's, it's so that God, the, uh, to, I'm only sharing this to understand where we're going to go with the message here in a minute. But I, as we come to the end of 2020, in December sometime, we had a board meeting on Zoom. Uh, and one of our board members just said, why don't you rent a house and do a mystery of marriage again? Like just. You know, just do it and just leave it, and we're going to walk in the anointing. We're not going to push real hard to try and get people to go. And uh, and we used to work really, really hard, it seemed, to try and get things to go and make it financially work out and do all these things. And I, I just, yeah, there's a, there's a lot goes on behind the scenes, and which I'm not complaining. We love it. I mean, I love it. I I thrive on adrenaline and making things happen and go and. But we're not pushing that plow no more, so we had released that, and it's like we're not how to do it without, you know. And so we rented a house, and and when we put it out to our board that here's what we're going to do, you know, this is what we found, and and uh, 
we put it on our Heirs of Truth social media one Sunday evening. And by the next Sunday evening, we were full. And we're four months away from going. We're going in April. And again, we just fell. Never happened before. Never happened before when I was pushing the plow. And I'm pretty excited about 2021. You'll catch that in a minute. This has just been, it's been a journey I could never see. If somebody would have told me this is how it's supposed to work, I would have argued with them until I was blue in the face. Because I was a workaholic. I was pushed and did things and made it happen and whatever. And and I'm not saying I still don't have that all in me. It's there. It's just that I want to learn to walk in royal identity. And so this is a passion of my heart as you, as you see this message, as we hear this message this morning. I am preaching to myself as much as anybody else. It's just a passion I have. Royal identity, going from a prince to a pa- from a pauper to a prince. And one of the things I wanted to see is the curse of a pauper's mentality. Living as a pauper, poor, pitiful me, there's nothing for me. I've just, and somewhere along the line, there is a lot of denominations or religion, uh, things that have come together that have made people believe that a pauper is somehow being holy. If I am poor and have nothing and, and living under that premise of, of, of being a nobody, that somehow that is holy. And yet we go out into a world trying to convince them of a God that has everything, but we have nothing. Paupers have a poverty mentality, and they only receive words from people that pertain to a negative worldview. They won't even hardly hear something of a gift or a blessing. You ever try and give someone, oh, no, 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 watch it sometime. Watch what's actually going on inside. They believe that their resources are limited. A pauper literally believes their resources are limited, but they preach a message to a lost and dying world that says God's unlimited. Oxymoron. When someone else around them receives a blessing... They believe they were shortchanged somehow. They somehow believe they were shortchanged. And to illustrate this a little bit deeper, if you have a Bible or your phone or whatever, just quick turn with me to Luke 15. I want to I illustrate something here that is a pauper mentality. It's in Luke 15, and we're going to just start in verse 25 to 32, just for a quick reference here. To, uh, to just help understand some of this. Luke 15, verse 25. And you all have heard the story of the prodigal son, okay? We're not going to go to the prodigal son. I want to get to the older brother, okay? Because in, in verse 25, it says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, your father has killed the fatted calf, 
because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28, but he, the older brother, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Verse 29 says, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes home, came, came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And here's what the father told him. I want, this is what I want you to catch what the father said. He said it was fitting. Oh, no, wait, verse 31. He said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. I want you to catch this a second. Here's the father with the older son that's all bent out of shape because the father threw a party for a son that returned from living in a pig pen. And the older son felt cheated. Because he never did that for him. A pauper mentality. I want you to get this. It's a pauper mentality. The son, the older son, the father says, all that I have is yours. In other words, you could have had a party anytime you wanted, but you didn't believe that it was all yours. You didn't believe that it was all yours. I had given you the whole farm, not just a fatted calf. The whole farm was yours, and you just moped around. Because your brother came back and we threw a party. That's a pauper mentality. When someone else receives a blessing, they believe they were shortchanged. That's the curse of the pauper's mentality. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Maybe... Sometimes it's no wonder we have a hard time rejoicing over someone that gets filled with the Spirit and comes fully alive. And we're thinking, why is everybody all excited about that? I mean, I've been here this whole time rejoicing in the Lord and I love Jesus and nobody ever got excited about me. Pauper mentality. All that is His is yours. Everything pertaining to the kingdom is yours. As a believer, as a child of God, everything in the kingdom is yours, and it is unlimited, without limit. There is no limit. It's the, he's the richest daddy ever, ever. I don't know how else to say it. He's the richest daddy ever for all of eternity. And everything he has is yours Everything he has is yours. I want you to wrap your, you can't, but I want you to try. Wrap your mind around that for a second, that everything he has is yours. Healing, deliverance, salvation, life, no darkness, it's all yours. It all belongs to you. He gave you the entire kingdom. He, it's, it's all yours. It's all yours to walk in and rejoice in and live in and be fully alive in. And it belongs to you. We need to go from a pauper 
and live like a prince who we really are. We'll get to all that. Okay. Proverbs 30 verse 21 says this. Under three things, three things, not three, three. Under three things, the earth quakes. Under four, it cannot bear up. Okay. Under four, it can't bear up. And one of them is under a pauper when he becomes a king. The world cannot bear up under a pauper when he becomes a king because he will treat everybody as worthless because he doesn't realize his value in the kingdom. Everybody with me? Everybody breathing? It's okay. We need, I, I'm passionate about this, that we learn to understand our identity as a prince. So we're going to go from a pauper to a prince. Okay, before we get into that, here's, here's a couple more, the curse of a pauper's mentality. A pauper is raised to be insignificant. If you think you're significant, you're proud. Okay, that's a lie. From probably the deepest pit of hell that exists. If you think somehow you're significant, then you're too proud. Who said that? And where does it come from? Who said that? We're going to go through some verses here just shortly about what it means to be a prince in a kingdom that he has given you everything. Everything belongs to you. He doesn't think, okay, a pauper doesn't think anyone really values or cares about him. Because he feels insignificant, he does not watch his words or the ways in which he carries himself. And he destroys the people he is supposed to be leading. A pauper will destroy the people he's supposed to be leading. Okay? We're going to flip over. I want to get to the defeating the pauper's mentality. Because we don't, we were never created to live like that. Okay? So defeating the pauper's mentality... The world within you becomes the world around you. What do you believe about the kingdom within you? When Jesus said it's within you, it's not out there somewhere, it's all within you. So if the entire kingdom of God he has placed inside of you, what do you believe about yourself having everything? Everything. Unlimited. A father that is unlimited in his grace, his mercy, his love, his life, his value of you. Unlimited. There's no limit to what he thinks about you. By the way, the only thoughts you should ever have about yourself, write this one down. (laughs) The only thoughts you should ever have about yourself is the very thoughts God's having about you. Yeah. Yeah. And if we don't know who, what it is inside of us, we're not going to have them kind of thoughts about us. We're going to always have a thought of an angry God that is waiting to beat you down every time you make a mistake. And by the way, he placed that on Jesus Christ on the cross once for all of eternity. The beatings that you and I, quote, may have deserved Who knows? But he placed it on his son once for all of eternity, never to exist again. On that cross he placed it. And he put all them beatings 
on his own son to the point the bones were sticking out of his back, to the point he didn't even look human. Do you still think you have to do something <laughs> to get it right or to, to be loved or do you want to beat, beat yourself? Or I mean, whew. he took it all. He took it all so that you could only process and think thoughts that God actually thinks about you. Love, mercy, grace, peace, joy. I can't say them all right now. Kindness, meekness, anyway. The world within you becomes the world around you. What do you believe inside of you about this kingdom that is all yours? Does it become the world around you? When we start to believe that we are fully 100% loved, cared for, forgiven, 100%, then we start to treat those around us like that too. What do we believe about this kingdom inside of us? In order to change the environment around you, it requires having a healthy soul, mind, will, and emotions. It requires having a healthy soul. Um, we need to start to believe things that are positive, that are true. Now, I'm not just talking about positive thinking, although there's some valuable things in that. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord is your strength. How strong are you? The joy for 2021, the joy of the Lord is your strength. How strong are we going to be this year? Yeah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to live in that. We're going forward in that because he loves you and he's given you the entire kingdom. The entire kingdom where sickness cannot prevail. Sickness doesn't even exist there. Not only can't just prevail, it can't even exist there, okay? I'm just saying like... Demonic demons of lies and all kinds of garbage don't exist there. So we can live fully alive because that's who you are. Okay? You can't see value in others until you see your own. It's impossible. You can't see value in other people around you until you see your own value. Very important. By the way, the first time this ever made any sense to me was probably... 25 years ago, Karen and I and Jessica was only a year old, so 26 years ago, we boarded a plane in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to fly to Florida, and that was like, wow. And I took Jessica, and I sat her on my lap, and I wrapped the seatbelt around us, and I thought I didn't have a clue. And then the, the, the uh, flight attendant come back through, and she's like, no, 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 you can't do that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? And she said, no, you have to hold her on your lap. And I'm like, ooh. What if something happens? Well, she said, if something happens now, your weight's going to kill her. I'm like, oh, never thought of that. Okay, okay, okay. Then in the handbook right here in the front, so I strapped myself in and had to just hold her on my lap. And then in the front in that pouch, if you ever take time to read some of that stuff, it's very interesting. If this plane goes down, huh, we've heard that. Everybody has flown all over the world. You, you know that's every time. If this plane goes down, okay. First of all, make sure you can get your mask on, your oxygen mask, right? Make sure you get yours on before you try and help someone else. And if it goes down, make sure that you have a safety floating device before you try and help someone else. And I'm like, how selfish. I thought, that's weird. I want to help someone else. I mean, I, you know, 
And then it explained it. And this was not even in the Bible. This was just in this. I'm thinking, oh, my word. The world understands this better than I did. It was like, this is crazy. It's like, wow. If you're not secure on a floating device, you have no way of helping anybody else at all. Virtually impossible. Because in your desire to help someone else, you're going to drown. You can't withstand tread water that long. (laughs) And so it is with a pauper mentality. If you don't know that you're fully alive and fully loved and fully cared for and everything that pertains to the kingdom belongs to you, you have no way of giving that to someone else. If you haven't experienced 100% freedom from sin and forgiveness of sin, and you're free because of Jesus, you can't offer that to anyone else. It comes across half-hearted. We're trying to tell them about this great and gracious God and great and almighty. He's done all these things, and yet we're not sure we really believe it for ourselves. I remember there's so many times in ministry I told Karen after we would work with people and do things, and I'd, get, I'd fall on my face. I said, it's easier to tell someone else than it is to believe it myself. Hmm. God's changing all that. Okay? He wants to change that in everyone. Because that's a pauper mentality. It really is. It's easier to try and help someone else, and I just sit here and suffer a little bit, and all my... I don't have quite enough, and this isn't quite working. And but, but you know what? Hey, Joey, do you know how Jesus loves you? And I'm sitting here going inside just like, I don't know that I really believe that. Okay, How ironic or how hypocritical do you think that would come across to your spirit? When in my spirit, I'm not even sure if I fully believe it. But I, I can say all the right things to you, okay? <laughs> what if we say all the right things to yourself first and actually believe it? 100% fully living, fully alive. The good news is the more you know Jesus and understand what he thinks of you, the better you become like him. The more you understand Jesus and what he thinks about you, the better you become like him. You defeat, that doesn't sound like proper English. Anyway, we'll go on from that. You defeat a pauper's mindset when you start believing that you are who he says you are. You defeat a pauper's mindset when you start to believe that you are exactly who he says you are. Who does he say you are? You ever read anywhere in the Bible where Jesus walked around, laid hands on people, and said, "Be sick"? Be, you're no good. I mean, just just think about who who what what was his purpose, and who did he say we are? He called us into a kingdom. He brought the kingdom to us. Number one, I think that's pretty wild. He brought it right here to us, <laughs> so it can live within us, and we can be fully alive in that. Fully alive. Colossians 1.27 says, um, uh, let me see if I can quick. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. How? Who is that Christ in you? Who is he? I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to pull a little illustration up. And this is, i got to say it real quick. Thanks to Daniel Woolman. He threw all kinds of questions at me yesterday and made me ponder some things I hadn't thought of before. <laughs> Love you, Daniel. It's awesome. <laughs> the diagram on your left is what is, is, is talking about body, soul, and spirit. I have a note here on my notes here. Don't go too deep in this. You'll get off the whole message. So uh, that, there's a whole message in this. I just want to just illustrate something real quick, okay? So if it confuses somebody, maybe I'll have to share it some other time. Okay, I'll just... But, but when we are born, we are born with our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. We have a body, soul, spirit, but our mind, will, and emotions are all connected to our body. That's why a child, when somebody takes a toy from them, they scream because they feel cheated, and they just, that's what they do, because their emotions are controlled by what's happening out here. Everything that happens around them in the physical, everything in their emotions is controlled by that. When we are born again, and Christ and our spirit become one, by the way, that's what the new birth is talking about. Okay. We become one with him. We need to consciously start to cut off the chains or the electrical sources that connect our emotions, or our mind-willed emotions, or, or, or the way we feel, think, and believe about everything. That, that would be a better way of putting it, the way we feel, think, and believe We have to start to consciously cut them off from everything that's happening out here around us and start to take our messages from the Christ of eternity so that our mind, will, and emotions, the way we feel, think, and believe, come from who Christ says we are. This is why in times past when when people went to the stake and were burned at the stake, they were singing, Jesus loves me. It's not because it didn't hurt. But they knew who they were, and they knew who Christ said they were, and they believed it with everything they were worth. They believed it to the fullest, that they were exactly who Christ says they were. This whole concept here is a journey called life, to go from here to here. Paul calls this a mature Christian, and I don't have time to go into the whole, the whole thing on it. But listen. I'm not there yet. I can promise you I'm not there yet. Somebody kicks me in the shin. I don't know what I'll do. Okay, I, I hope I'll say Jesus loves you. It might be the second thing out of my mouth. It might not be the first. But hopefully, eventually, that becomes the first thing out of my mouth. Okay? You, everybody with me on this? I, I want you to see this because otherwise, everything that happens all around us, We react to it because our emotions are attached to everything in the world around us. But when we allow our soul to be connected to who Christ says we are, it changes how I feel, think, and believe about every situation in life, about everything around us. And that's where life, that's how we go from a pauper to a prince. Okay? Pauper to a prince. That's the journey. Separating and cutting off that I'm not reacting to everything that happens out here in my flesh. Words that people say to me or things that happen to me or we need to start to cut them off 
and start to agree that I am exactly who Jesus says I am. Okay, moving on. The blessing of reality, uh, of royalty. The blessing of royalty. The revelation, the revelation of true identity will destroy the spirit of poverty in our lives. Do you struggle with the spirit of poverty? I just never have enough. I don't have whatever. And I'm not talking just financial. I'm not talking just physical things. I'm talking about even spirit thing. Okay, like do, do, I, do, do I have enough of joy to go around every day? Do you? And if not, the way to defeat that so that you do is the revelation of your true identity in Christ will destroy the spirit of poverty in our lives. It destroys it because Jesus is all about you. He is not against you. He is for you fully, fully, 100% for you. He is not even that much against you at all, ever. Not even that much. He came to destroy the lies and the works of darkness. He came to destroy it. And if we would walk in that, it's already destroyed. What if we would live in that light? Would the joy carry on for at least a week? A year? Two years? I mean, it could go on endless when we start to agree that we are exactly who he says we are. Until this revelation happens, we will keep thinking there are limits on what we get to have. Well, I'm not quite, you know, probably got to crucify myself some more so that I can have a little more so that God loves me a little more. I don't feel completely loved because I'm probably this and this. And we run this stuff all through our intellect trying to figure out. God's not looking at you through what you know about you. He is looking at you through your destiny. Okay? He sees you in your destiny, not in your past. He sees you in your destiny. The destiny has to be, by the way, that's the whole concept of predation. I ain't got time for that. Listen, that's a whole concept of it. The, the idea of predestination is the fact that he has a book written about your life from the beginning to the end, and he knows it from the end to the beginning. We don't know our life like that, but he does. He knows it from the end to the beginning. And he can't wait to sit you on his lap someday and sit there and say, Lynette, look at all the things I wrote for your life, and here's everything I, you accomplished because of me. And the things you didn't aren't even going to be there. He's not that kind of God that's waiting to destroy you because something didn't work out quite. Okay? We're the ones that destroy ourselves because we think we didn't do it all right. Stop. Royal identity. He can't wait to show you one day of everything he had written for your life and everything you accomplished because of him. And say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The whole concept of predestination rests on that right there. That's what it is. Whew, bunny trails. Okay, moving on. As a result, we are jealous of anyone who receives something that we don't have. As a pauper. 
Okay, this is a blessing of royalty. This is how we break this cycle. This leaks into all aspects of our lives, including work, friends, and positions within the church. Now, I'm going to throw a real curveball out here on understanding some of this blessing of royalty. Because if we don't understand the blessing of royalty, this is what's going to happen. And we're constantly living from this mentality. When the children, when, when God's children, the Hebrew children, were living in Egypt, 430 years, why didn't God call someone from among them people to deliver them out? Now you're going to say, well, Moses was a Hebrew. Yes, he was. But listen, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Moses, they went to kill all the children, right? They put Moses in a basket. And one of Pharaoh's daughters found him and took him in because God needed someone to be raised like a prince to deliver out his people from slavery. You couldn't have somebody raised like a slave deliver slaves out of slavery. So he allowed Moses to be found by the prince, by Pharaoh's daughter till he could go re-raised in the Pharaoh's house. So he knew his identity as a prince. He knew his authority. He knew who he was. He never forgot his past. His mom raised. We know all the stories. But I need you to see this. God needed someone that understood who he was. That when Moses came against him and when the children of Israel came against him and mocked him and laughed at him when he went up to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, he didn't bat an eye. He knew who he was. He knew that it belonged to him. And he knew God was sending him to deliver him out. He knew his identity. Will we walk in that type of identity and authority from the kingdom? We won't help others get out of slavery to any kind of sin or any kind of demonic controls of any kind unless we know who we are and we walk in that authority and we bring deliverance and life and salvation and glory. It flows through because we're talking about a king, a daddy that we have that has unlimited resources and so it has been given to you so you can walk in them unlimited resources. There's no end. It's awesome. It's awesome. People who understand their royal identity or understand their royalty as sons and daughters of God know this. Okay? And you can write some of these down if you want and look at them later. I'm going to kind of quickly go through them. But here's what they understand. You are God's heir. Okay? And that's in Romans 8, 17. And I got the verses here, so I'm just going to quickly go through them. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures Wait, since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. We are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided we accept his suffering as our own. Will we accept? The suffering that he had on Jesus on the cross. Will we accept that as our own so that we can live in co-heirs of his glory? Will we accept the fact that what he did on the cross was enough? It is finished. Nada. Over. Finished. So we can live 
in the co-heirs of his glory. And we can exalt that all around the earth. We can just let it flow everywhere we go. The glory is going to go forward, even in the darkest of dark. You are born into the kingdom, John 3, 3. Jesus answered, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. When we invite Christ, when we are born again, and Christ becomes one with us in our spirit, it's time to start taking our messages from that and seeing with spiritual eyes that we belong to a kingdom that was not built with human hands, and it does not bow to anything around you ever. Ever. You're born into the kingdom. Your inheritance is the kingdom. Your inheritance is the kingdom. This is radical. It's in Colossians 1.12. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. In other words, by simply agreeing with who Jesus says you are and that the kingdom belongs to you, believing that you already possess it. You already own it. It's already yours. It all belongs to you. When are you going to throw a party? No, anyway, we'll get in. Okay. um, You are born to rule and reign in the earth. Daniel 7, 14 and 26 to 27 says this. He was given power to rule all the glory of royalty. Verse 26, 27 says, But when the court comes to order, the horn will be stripped of its power and totally destroyed. Then the royal rule and the authority and the glory of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the people of the high God. Their royal rule will last Forever. Forever. All other rulers will serve and obey them. Everyone, race, color, and creed had to serve him. His rule would be forever, never ending. His kingly rule would never be replaced. Look up that vision in Daniel. Look up what he heard. I believe it's for such a time as this. That it will never, ever Give up, and eventually the kingdoms of this world will bow to that king. And it's going to come through princes and prince of the kingdom. Okay, you are born to become a king or queen and a priest to God. Revelation 1 6 says, And to the one who made us to rule as a kingly priesthood to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. You wear a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me and you. And I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. Listen, we are not going home for judgment. I ain't got time to go into all this either. We're not going home from this earth in the new covenant, in the new testament. We don't go home for judgment. The unbeliever will stand in judgment, okay? We are going home for rewards. We are going to stand on the 
uh, I can't think of the Greek word. It's in Corinthians. Where, we, where our works as believers will be judged for reward, not for condemnation or hell or heaven. That was all done on Jesus Christ on the cross completely once for all time. For any believer, he is going home for reward. Grab it. It's there. It's for a reward. The, the, the concept of going home and standing in judgment, well, was I saved? What, did, in heaven or hell? Doesn't exist in the believer's life. Does not exist. That was paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. That judgment was already done. Finished. Over. Once for all of eternity, 2,021 years ago. You are created for glory. Okay, John 17, 22. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given you them. This is Jesus. I think it was in his prayer. Um, he says, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. I want you to catch this. The same unity that Jesus and the Father enjoy is exactly what he wants you to enjoy. The same unity, the same joy, the same crowning, the same beauty, the same glory. Everything he wants you to enjoy that. Now, you think like God, 1 Corinthians 2, 6. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. It didn't come from here. It didn't come from this world at all. Now, we think like God because it came from the kingdom realm, the kingdom of heaven. You have his divine nature, 2 Peter 1, 4. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. We have partaking. We have this, we have this divine nature. When you are acting like him, you are being yourself. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will re- represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. When you are acting like him, you are just simply being yourself because you know who you are. Take the high road in 2021. Take the high road. I'm serious about this. Take the high road. That doesn't mean you think you're better than anybody else. It just simply means you know who you are. And you're not going to be sucked underneath by all the trauma and all the things that are going on in the world and the chaos and the garbage and especially in the political world and everything that's going on. Take the high road. Know who you are for 2021. Know who you are. And walk with tremendous joy. Because no matter how dark the world gets, the kingdom is brighter. And brighter, and brighter, and brighter. This kingdom has no end, ever, ever. And it lives within you. It belongs to you. It is all yours. Most of us become what the most important person in our life thinks we should become. I want you to catch this. 
Most of us become what the most important person in our life thinks we should become. Okay? If that person is God, then what we think God thinks about us is actually molding us. Okay? I, I, I can't... Whew. We become what the most important person in our life thinks about us, thinks we should become. So if that most important person is God, then we are becoming like him. Thinking about it is molding us. My prayer for you today is that you experience glorious transformation and blessing in your life as you think of yourself the way God thinks of you. The only thoughts you should be having about yourself is the very ones that God thinks about you. What are they? Life. Life. Joy. Peace. Forgiveness. All for eternity. Think the thoughts that God thinks about you. And he is madly in love with you. Madly in love with you. So much that he sent his own son. I can't say that enough. So much that he paid the price that you don't have to pay. So much. If you don't mind, I'm just going to ask you to quickly stand. I'm going to ask Michael to come up there. I just want to have a simple little prayer, okay? I'm just going to ask you to stand. I want you to put your hands out. Just, just put your hands out, okay? As receiving. We're going from a pauper to a prince, okay? And let's pray. Just say this with me now. Jesus, I receive a new mind. Go ahead. Make your thoughts about me. My thoughts about me. Open the eyes of my heart so I can receive a revelation of your kingdom and who I'm supposed to be. I receive my crown to rule and reign with you so that together we can lead others into their kingdom of destiny. Amen. I'll just stay standing. I'm going to turn it over to Michael unless he has an announcement. He'll go from there. Bless you all.